0: Fight back with Libby Zneimer on Zoomer Radio.
1: We are back and we are talking about a topic that is very important to your health. It's an epidemic. It's diabetes. The numbers to call 416-360-0740 or toll-free 1-866-740-4740 and get a load of some of these numbers. In 2010, there were 2.7 million Canadians living with diabetes. That's 7.6% of the population. And that is projected to rise to 4.2 million by 2020. That's almost 11% of the population. Now, actually, in 2013, there were already over 3 million. And when I give you these numbers, that is the entire population. But the fact is diabetes strikes older people. So when you look at us older people, Zoomers over 45, Uh, those numbers are much higher. I'm here with pharmacist John Papasturgio from the Ontario Pharmacists Association to talk about how to control diabetes? What to do? Welcome, thank you. Uh,
2: thanks to have me uh, for having me back. And you're very right, Libby. It is an epidemic. We're thinking sixty thousand new cases each year of type two diabetics, and and we do see type two diabetes in that older population. Um, there's some estimates that are, are saying, w- with respect to seniors, almost a, one one quarter of them may get developed type two diabetes. So it's something that the healthcare system is going to have to manage, and patients are going to have to learn uh, to manage and live with as well.
1: Mm-hmm. Now. Why is it so hard to manage?
2: You know, it's multifactorial, but really it's a chronic progressive disease. So once you get diabetes, it's going to develop slowly and continue to get worse. What we try to do is manage it with medications. Kind of that's, uh, you know, one way to do it. But more importantly is the lifestyle change, right? If you're able to change your lifestyle... uh, it's almost more effective than the medication, right? But that lifestyle change that's involved is very, very difficult for some patients. And it goes beyond just the diet. It's a, you know... Exercise is extremely important. Uh, You know, if you're smoking, quitting smoking, all these other things. uh, So it really, uh, the patients have to be engaged to make these changes. And sometimes that's very difficult, especially later in life as well.
1: Mm -hmm. Now, just to describe the exercise, my understanding is the reason exercise is so important is that you burn glucose, when you're exercising and that helps control your blood sugar.
2: Absolutely. You burn the glucose, you're building muscle mass and then uh, uh, you know, uh, if you're able to combine that with a good diet, you know you get all the benefits and that's and that's really what we're trying to educate patients to do.
1: Mhm. And in terms of the the medication, I mean you have to monitor your own blood sugar levels is that difficult?
2: Uh, it is for some patients because you have to draw blood. Unfortunately, you still—it's still a blood test. So, generally, what patients will do is they'll have to take a little small sample, a prick of blood. Uh, the glucometers nowadays don't really require a lot of uh, blood. It's literally less than a drop, and and you get a reading. Generally now with type 2 diabetics, we don't recommend they have to monitor very, very frequently. Now it's if they're sick, we say monitor, right? Maybe once or twice a week you can monitor. It's the type 1 diabetics that have to monitor much more frequently. Those yeah. are
1: the people who need to inject insulin. That's
2: right. That's right. And, and the risk with insulin when you're injecting it, if you inject too much, you could go really low. And that's why it kind of we have to monitor a little bit more closely. But with the type 2 diabetics, the guidelines have changed recently and we generally don't necessarily need to monitor all the time but they do have to monitor still.
1: I think that a big part of the problem if
2: I'm right is that a lot of people have diabetes and they don't even know. They don't even know it and that's that's a huge problem because at least if you're no, if you're able to catch it early and make some of these lifestyle changes, especially if you're in, in a category that we call pre diabetes, you can actually reverse it, right? Uh,
1: is that that's is that what they call metabolic syndrome?
2: Yeah, pretty much. It's it's very similar to that. And if uh, if you're able to to you know capture that before you develop into full blown diabetes, you can make some dramatic lifestyle changes and maybe prevent that from happening, right? Um, you'll probably. Uh, still at higher risk of developing diabetes somewhere down the line. But the reality is, if the, in those patients that are borderline, that they have risk factors, if they're able to make these changes, they may be able to prevent this from happening.
1: Okay, let's give out the numbers. I'm sure people have questions about diabetes. They're 416- 360-0740 or toll-free 1-866- 740-4740. I'm here with John Papasturgio and we're talking about diabetes. Okay, so how would you know what, what exactly exactly Exactly, is metabolic syndrome or prediabetes, and and how do you know you have it?
2: it's this is the problem. It's in its early stages. It really is asymptomatic diabetes. If you're, you know, if you're getting symptoms like frequent urination, thirst, it's progressed beyond that, right? Uh, um, uh, so generally, we look at risk factors. So who are these patients that are at risk, right? Um, you know, uh, a BMI is a huge predictor. So waist circumference, right? Age is a risk factor. Um, uh, you know, diet is a risk factor. Uh, there's actually a great survey that uh, patients could do online it's called the can risk uh, uh, survey for diabetes and it helps to assess how risk uh, how much of a risk you are for developing diabetes it's just 12 questions that you answer and it'll tell you if you're low moderate or high risk. Something as simple as that can help, you know, educate patients. We offer it in the pharmacy all the time because it helps us predict, you know, who may be at higher risk. Should we refer those patients off to maybe get some testing done, right? But uh, uh, the risk factors are pretty obvious, right? And uh, if if you are overweight, if you're not exercising, if you don't have a good diet, um, you know, it may be one of those things you start considering.
1: Mm-hmm. And, uh, again, um, how – could you help somebody uh, or encourage them to change their lifestyle? I mean, it's... <laughs> yeah, that's
2: a, that's one of the, you know, more difficult things to do. And I, I find that the patient has to be engaged to do that as well. So... Generally, what we see in the community pharmacies are we're very used to managing those patients that already have diabetes and they're a lot, on a lot of medications or they're taking medications uh, that we're helping them with. Those patients that we see that may be at high risk and we identify, it's about you know really educating them about what the potential consequences of developing diabetes are and you know what that can mean to you later in life. Um, how, you know what what are those changes you have to make? But again, it it takes the patient being actively involved in that. We can't force them to make those lifetime uh, changes. If, if
1: if you have somebody a, a customer a, a patient who comes in a lot and they look to you like it's going to be a problem do you actually will you would you start that conversation if they didn't
2: I do yeah de- definitely um, because we have for, we do offer some of these screening tools in my pharmacy so if i think someone's at high risk we do, we, do, you know, we do encourage them to make these changes. And a lot of times it's really well, about making well, a small change, right? So, uh, you know, you're not going to expect them to do everything at once. But it may be something like, hey, do, do you do any exercise? No. Maybe try to get out there two times a week and do, you know, a 20-minute walk maybe maybe that's how you start. Or maybe, uh, you know, working some fruits and vegetables into your diet two or three times a week. You'd be surprised how many patients are, aren't are doing this already. Uh, once they're able to make some of these small changes, they see some of the benefits, they start feeling better, then we could have the discussions about, hey, what can we do next, right?
1: I'm, I'm still, you know, I would think that takes quite a bit of you know, how do, how do you approach them?
2: Um, we're lucky in community pharmacies nowadays. We have uh, something called the uh, MedCheck, uh, and we have one specific for diabetes called the Diabetes Medication Review. What this allows pharmacists is actually some one-on-one time with patients. We're able to sit with them, sit in a counseling room for 15, 20 minutes, and have a conversation around their medications, their disease states, side effects, anything. I find that's a great opportunity for me to ask some questions uh, around, you know, what's their lifestyle like? Do they smoke? This or that. And, and 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 try to see how... Interested they are in making changes, and some patients aren't, right? And and you know, it's not always uh, uh, easy in the in that group of patients to to kind of convince them to make a change. But I I really think it's baby steps with a lot of these patients, and it's trying to get them to do something very small, and then and then grow, you know growing it from there.
1: How much exercise is enough to start making a change? Are you twenty you know, minutes, ten minutes. Yeah, a day? Oh,
2: yeah. Like I mean, uh, anything is better than nothing. But generally, generally, what we you know recommend is uh, you know thirty minutes, three to five times a week. If you could do it, that's that's big, right? And people could do that. And it doesn't have to be really excruciating exercise. If you're just out there on a brisk walk, that will make a difference, right? So it's just getting out, getting off the couch and, and trying to make, you know, trying to get active. And, and many you know people, especially during the winter, don't do this, right? We actually ran a small uh, – a study in my pharmacy where we looked at patients during the winter specifically with diabetes and we could test something called their A1C. It's a better measure of how their their diabetes is being and, managed. And
1: what is it? Is it a it's a,
2: it's a it's a blood test as well, but it tells you how much sugar is attached to their, uh, uh, to their enzymes, right, proteins. So it's more, the, the worse your diabetes is the more sugar you have attached to things, right? And, and, and it's measuring that. And ideally, we want patients to be less than seven. And most diabetics, hopefully, will know that now. Number. it's actually an important number but uh, what we found is in the winter all these patients their their a1 c starts to climb right because in the summer they're out and about they're you know they're 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 more active they're out in the gardens doing whatever. In the winter, they end up being, you know, more homebound, and it's it's affecting their diabetes, right?
1: Do you think that uh, do people have a healthier diet in the summer or the winter, or does it not matter? You know,
2: it just depends on the the, the patients. I'm not really sure if you know if we could generalize that, but uh, I imagine if I had to guess, probably in the winter it's worse, right? They're they're not getting out. Maybe uh, 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 you know they're. I, I, I wouldn't know. I wouldn't know for sure, but I would guess the winter. I'm, I'm not sure why. Yeah, because
1: that. oh, that's true on the one hand, the, comfort food in the winter, but then there's barbecue in the right. summer. That's right, everything
2: else in the summer, right? That's what I started thinking of. But it's hard to say, but definitely less active in the winter for sure, for most, most patients.
1: Mm-hmm. And uh, do you counsel people on diet?
2: Diet we try because that's a very important part of, uh, uh, you know, diabetes. Generally, we just recommend it's very common sense type type stuff. It's not, you know, uh, brain surgery. Uh, uh, Fruits, vegetables, increasing your fibers are very important. Lowering the carbohydrates, trying to minimize how much of that you take. Canada Food Guide is pretty good at making some recommendations. Uh, Limiting the amount of food that you're eating too, Mm. right, to smaller portions, very, very important.
1: Okay. We're going to take a quick break, and we will be back with more from pharmacist John Papasturgio. The number is 416-360-0740 or toll-free 866 740 4740 If you have questions about diabetes and how to manage it, and if you have other questions, I'm sure that John will be happy to answer them, too. Back after this.
0: You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Fight Back with Libby Zneimer on Zoomer Radio.
1: Welcome back. I am here with pharmacist John Pepisturgio from the Ontario Pharmacists Association. We we're talking about diabetes management. The number is 416-360-0740 or toll-free 1-866-744-740. But, you know, he just told me about something very interesting this morning. The Canadian Pharmacists Association came out with a statement about medical marijuana, John.
2: Yeah, and, and essentially what they said was that pharmacists should be actively involved in managing mar- medical marijuana. And it makes a lot of sense if you think about it. It's no different than many of the other drugs that we, we, we see in pharmacies. Uh, we're, uh, as pharmacists, we're very used to managing uh, very potent narcotics, opioids, benzodiazepines—all these drugs that are 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 potentially powerful uh, and can have adverse effects. And uh, uh, medical marijuana is no different than that. Really, there's potential uh, drug interactions, side effects. Uh, uh, so I think, uh, you know, if you're using uh, marijuana for a medical purpose, it really should be uh, under, you know, the guidance of a healthcare provider and the pharmacists are very well suited to do that.
1: Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I, I was asking you this before. I mean, I would think also if, if you start stocking marijuana, that might even bring a security issue in pharmacies.
2: Definitely. It's one of the things we'll have to consider. Uh, that being said, it, you know, we, we our pharmacies have things like fentanyl and their and uh, drugs that... Uh, you know uh, could potentially uh, be sought after by by thieves, so we do have security procedures in place, and that 's one of the advantages of of uh you know uh, pharmacies are they're they 're prepared to handle this type of thing
1: okay, we have Jacqueline in Scarborough. Hi, Jacqueline. How are you oh good morning
3: libby i like you. I love you, libby. Thank you. <laughs> we hear from you every Thursday. John is here. I want to talk to that nice pharmacist. Go ahead. I, 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 I. You know what I want to ask you, dear. I want to ask you. Uh, the, the, how can I get diabetes? I don't want to get it. I hope I don't get it, but. Will I get it if I eat chocolate bar?
2: No, absolutely yeah. not. And that's a good question. You know, having a chocolate bar, uh, some cake here and there is not going to give you diabetes. If you overdo I, it, I, may put you may it put you at a little bit increased risk. Definitely. Actually,
3: but, I, I I eat whole Henry and, but I <laughs> I eat mostly nuts. You know, like almonds.
2: Chocolate almonds and chocolate almonds. Yeah, I I mean, I wouldn't worry about uh, you know uh, if you're doing this type of thing once in a while, and that's fine. It really is multiple Do I do it every day? Beer after dinner. I, I still so think you're going to be okay. It's those other things if you're overweight, you know, if you're not exercising, if you have a genetic uh, no, predisposition. I do, I
3: do uh, yoga every Monday. Okay, Sounds well, like there you're you go. And I work at Skybro General every Wednesday. Okay. Sounds good.
2: Yeah, if you're concerned about it, ask your doctor. He'll do a quick blood test and, and tell you where you stand with respect to your blood sugars.
3: Oh, well, I, I just should I stop eating?
2: Or, no. Or no. I if you enjoy stop. it, don't stop it. Everything in moderation is fine.
3: Okay, I'll Jacqueline. Okay. Thank you very thank much you for very your call, much, dear. Thank B- you. Bye,
1: bye. Mike in Collingwood. Hello. Hello. How are you?
4: Yes, fine. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. I- I'm concerned about different medications. Like if you look on uh, the TV, there's so many uh, medications regarding type two diabetes, from Lyrica to uh, Trulicity to uh, Genova and Invocannon. um I'm only using Metformin. And I just wonder what uh, what would a doctor or a pharmacist recommend in terms of uh, all these type 2 medications for uh, type 2 diabetes?
2: It's a great question, actually. Yeah,
1: and I just want to interject with something. It's something that we don't really have here in Canada where in the States you're watching an American channel and they have this direct-to-consumer drug advertising which is illegal here and which can be quite confusing
2: definitely confusing there's there's a a good aspect of there being many drugs available that's actually a good thing because it gives us options right if patient doesn't tolerate a drug or whatnot but what we try to do in the medical and pharmacy profession is manage patients based on evidence-based guidelines so what does the evidence say what drugs are best right so we know you mentioned metformin there definitely the best first-line agent. There's a ton of evidence suggesting if you get diabetes, you want to be on that agent first because it does have uh, great outcomes in reducing cardiovascular disease and some of these other uh, complications of diabetes. Once you've had, you know, you've been on metformin for a while, and I mentioned earlier that diabetes is a chronic progressive disease. It's going to get worse with time. You may need to go on another agent. And now there's, you know, probably four or five different drug classes. So, so, yeah. so do
1: you go on another drug in addition? Yes.
2: Okay. It's always in addition. Usually we leave the metformin on uh, and then we'll add something else. And depending on your clinical picture, the physician uh, and the pharmacist may make recommendations based on that picture. So they may choose one agent over another for different reasons.
4: Well, sorry for interjecting, yeah. but one of the big pushes they're doing, and it's available here, is this Lyrica.
2: Well, Lyrica is not a directly, uh, doesn't directly manage uh, uh, diabetes. That's a more for neuropathic pain, so many patients well, with that 's
4: my problem i 've got neuropathy you,
2: yeah so pay, patients for, for the other listeners that have diabetes usually for a few years may develop this neuropathy right, and we try to manage that pain with different agents and Lyrica is uh, one one uh, drug in, in a class of many there 's other agents that we use as well, and it uh, it tends to help some patients. Is it helping you or do you find it 's not working? Well
4: see my, my point uh, i 'm just using metformin, but uh, I, I'm going to uh, ask my physician to prescribe Lyrica for me because it is available here in Canada.
2: Absolutely available, yeah. No, it's definitely available. How's your? A, do you know your A1C, your blood sugars? How are those doing? Well,
4: they seem to go up and down. Uh, maybe I should be testing more often. Like, I've had I've had low readings of, you know, like uh, 6 and 7, and then I've had readings in the 12s, 13s, and 14s. Uh, so you're, not, you're
2: you're going up and down a little bit. What's a, a better measure uh, than the blood sugar is something called the A1C. Your physician will do that. It gives you a, an idea of how well your blood sugar has been controlled over a three month period, right? Um, if you're able to get that test, and if you're you know if you land less than seven, generally you're okay. So most diabetics will be t- between seven, eight, nine. We've had patients w- much higher than that. You want to keep that uh, number as close to seven as possible. If you're managing that uh, that a1C number and your diabetes, your need for Lyric and some of these other drugs may be reduced, right? Because your neuropathy will get better as you manage your diabetes. Right. Uh, um, so my first goal for you would be, let's manage the diabetes and then if the neuropathy continues then we could look at agents for that.
1: D- doesn't neuropathy sometimes become permanent? It
2: can, definitely, yeah. So if if the damage to the nerves is severe or uh, uh, you know uh, irreversible, then yeah, you may have this permanent uh, neuropathy. But generally if we catch it early enough, you, you can manage it and it it may be uh, it may go away uh, with that management Mm -hmm. exercise helps with neuropathy as well as you increase the blood flow to kind of the periphery it seems to help uh, with that as well but you do have some options there uh, uh, and a few things you could consider for sure
4: so I guess uh, my point again is these all these medications that are being advertised and you're right most of them do come from the US but some of them are available here like uh, Lyrica so, so that should be done in
2: conjunction with metformin. Then. Absolutely. So you should stay on the metformin. Uh, remember, lyrica's for the the neuropathy. Right. Um, if your if your diabetes isn't controlled, we'll probably add something else. And all these drugs you mentioned in Volcana, they're all available here as well. Okay. Uh, sometimes they go by different names, but right. uh, you know, maybe add a second agent if your diabetes isn't controlled. And then if your neuropathy doesn't get worse, we leave you on the you know on the lyric or consider another drug. And there are others as well.
1: Yeah. So it's not that they're not available here you just they they're not advertised they're not advertised oh yeah they're definitely available uh,
2: right. almost all the medications you see advertised are available here as well
4: yeah absolutely okay thank you
1: okay no thanks problem. a lot well that's uh interesting so how many what is the typical number of medications that somebody on diabetes will be on
2: so generally the highest uh, you know I see them go is about three or four once they get to that and their diabetes isn't being controlled well anymore then I strongly encourage that they go to go on to insulin and uh, and type 2 uh, diabetics will benefit from insulin as well right and that's kind of the as as uh, your your time on these oral agents starts to run down your goal is to get them on insulin I strongly believe the earlier we get some of these patients on on insulin, their outcomes are actually a lot better. But patients don't like to inject. That's the problem.
1: Okay. And... uh once you're on insulin, does that mean that your diabetes has changed to type one
2: or no? No, it's still type two diabetes. Uh, type two diabetes, but uh, all it's saying is your your type two diabetes has progressed to the point where the oral agents aren't managing it very well and aren't able to control it. And uh, you know, the better option is insulin at that point. And sometimes we just start with a nighttime dose, and it makes a big difference—a very big difference—in some of these patients.
1: Mm-hmm. And how long does it take people to figure out how to inject it, or is it just the idea of it? It's that the idea
2: on? that's the worst thing the way they make these injection pens they're called is they're actually very easy to use nowadays it's the idea of having to give yourself a shot you know a daily shot or multiple times a day for some patients that really bothers them i I call it psychological insulin resistance right they they just don't want and i see it all the time They're like john give me another oral medication and we're like you know the best option is to go on insulin but they fight it Uh, eventually they're going to have to go on it for many patients
1: Okay. That is about all the time that we have for today, John Papasturgio. Thank you so much for that. It's great to be here. Okay. Thank you to the Ontario Pharmacists Association.
0: You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one.